Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, Stu Whiffin. I hope you're doing well today. So... Today's guest, it's a cracker. It's Mr. Ian Lee. Now, I'd never met Ian before. Uh, I'd heard him on Adam Buxton's podcast, and I'd heard him on Scroobius Pip's podcast. And it just it just really resonated with me. he just come across so well on them podcasts. And the age I am, I grew up watching the 11 o'clock show hosted by Ian, and, and since then have enjoyed his radio shows. Um, it was interesting. Found that I mean, it, it goes, it goes quite, quite heavy, quite quickly. Um, and and why shouldn't it? You know, Ian's very open and and discusses, you know, his ups and downs. And and I think you know, all credit to him for doing so. Um, we also, I was also surprised to hear that Ian found it quite weird and and, and uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Um, he felt on the back foot being being interviewed. He said that he's he's so used to being the interviewer, he, he finds it very strange being interviewed. Uh, so that was quite strange. I didn't expect to to hear that. Um, I don't think I'm an intimidating kind of interviewer. Um, it was just a really lovely afternoon, and he was an absolute gentleman, and his song choices were fantastic. Um, so before we, we get on with it, just a quick shout out to everybody on the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, my, my homie Scroobius Pip and my producer, Mr. 76, for producing this. And big thanks to My Name Is Ad and Brad Acton for video and artwork. And if you want to find out more um, about what we do, we're, we're on all the social media platforms and we put lots of other stuff up on there. Um, go and have a little look because there's there's a radio show that I'm working on at the moment, and there's bits and pieces that you can you can delve into if you go on the socials and find all the links and stuff like that. So I won't say too much more about that because I'm excited for you to hear this episode. So please enjoy it off the beaten track podcast with the wonderful Ian Lee, seventy six. Drop the intro. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Right, we're recording. We are at the book club in Shoreditch, home of We Are Lizards, uh, the night that Scribbis Pip and I 
I've run for a fair few years now, and sitting opposite me is this evening or this afternoon, early evening guest, Mr Ian Lee. This is very noisy for a book club. You, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. I've never thought that. Yeah. I, I and there's no books. I suspect that book club title is slightly misleading. It's bullshit. It's, it's, it's bullshit club, because <laughs> every, there are people out there drinking and talking, there's no reading, there's no discussion of books... I've been brought here under a false premise. We're in a ping pong room as well. We are, we are. It's, it's quite a jazzy table, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's a funky table. I don't know if that's Olympic standard. There's a ping pong mural on the wall, but we're too close to see what it is. We've don't, actual... No, 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 don't. it says there, do not remove from any ping pong balls from the artwork. What's ironic is there is a, 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 a ping pong table next to us... Um, with no ball on it, and to the left of us there's probably ah, 500 balls. You've misunderstood. This is a funky table. If you look under the table... All oh, right. There's a little rack. It's like a little runner's, like a pool table. <laughs> it's a decent bit of kit, this. I hate ping-pong. Hate is it. it. Is it because you're shitting? Yes, of course it is. But it's one of those games, whiff-waff, where it looks easy, but it's just, it's just silly. I like the sound of it. There's no sound like a ping-pong ball. Yeah. Sound, but the game itself, I'm not a fan of. Yeah. What sport are you good at? Fuck off. What a fucking stupid question. You're I don't really on. like sports. No? No, I don't like sports. Um, I, I was recently in an enforced situation with lots of sporty <laughs> people for several weeks, and they kept going, so Ian, what's your, who's, your, who's your football team? Oh, I don't have one. Yeah. All oh, right, you're not into football? Nah. What's your sport then? I don't have a sport. I don't, I don't need to have a sport. My knowledge of football can be summed up with that, that partridge scene. Oh, yeah. See the match? Which one? Don't know. <laughs> That's my knowledge of football. Although saying that, a, lot, a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York. I took my kids to New York for the first time. And we booked... I booked them tickets to go and see a baseball game. And I thought, oh, we'll stick around for an hour and then we'll get bored and then we'll go. Three and a half hours we were there. I loved it. Really? I loved it. I didn't know what was going on. It was a very low action game. There were only four runs, I'm going to call them. Okay. Four points. But it was a nice, it was a nice vibe. It was, um, it, it was quite fast paced. Things happened in between the innings. They put on a little bit of a... I stood up for the American National Anthem. Nice. Didn't take the knee. Didn't take the knee. Oh, that was my next question. Yeah, I didn't take the knee. I feel a bit guilty about that. Can we edit that? To, I took the knee, sure, of course, sure. to support my brothers and sisters. And, but it was good. It was a good vibe. So baseball's my sport. Talk me through the food that was available at the stadium. Okay. Hot dogs? Obviously. What we took? A good hot dog. Fucking amazing hot dogs. These are the first hot dogs we'd had in New York. They were incredible, man. Incredible. Massive things. Mustard and ketchup and onions. They were incredible. <laughs> my boy had, boys had a massive ice cream. And peanuts. Oh, and lots of beer. There was, I don't drink, but there were lots of really big, big cans of beer. The theme's big, isn't it? Yeah, everything was big. Um, but we had a great time. I loved it. I've, spoke, I've never been to a baseball match, but when you started that conversation and you said, we thought we'd be there for an hour and get bored. Yeah. Most people I've spoke to that have gone out there and wanted to do the kind of touristy thing, go and watch a baseball match yeah. and get involved, done the... Yeah, we got there and, and, and I had a hot dog. And then after about an hour, it was quite boring and we left. Well, we enjoyed it, right? My, my two boys are six and eight and they like sports. I don't, know, I don't know where they get that from. It's not me. 
And I hadn't checked how long. It was an afternoon game, so it started at 10 past one. And I, an hour into it, I thought, I've got no idea how long this is going to last. So I'm Googling, how long does a baseball game last? It says, oh, about three hours, nine innings. I was thinking, oh, man. But, and I said to the boys, after about two hours, do you want to go? We've probably got about another hour left. Do you want to go or do you want to stick around? And they said, oh, no, we're loving this. Let's stick around. And it was just a nice vibe. And we were chatting to people either side of us, which I would normally not like. Um, not a fan of people? Oh, God, I don't. Um, I like, I want the best for people. I want the best for humankind. But people, talking to people make me makes me very nervous my job is talking to people yes but it's on the it's on a radio show and it's on a phone in and i'm in control and it's it's kind of theater it's a bit of theater you know so it's not real conversation yeah finding this very intimidating really yeah not from you not your vibe it's all coming from me yeah so i can flip that on you because on. i've listened to you on the radio for for many many years sorry and uh, I'm, I'm i'm dealing with it and yeah and i've found it's always I've interviewed a couple of other radio DJs over the, the last couple of years and I always find it quite intimidating because it's what you do I'm just Pip's mate like that, that, that does a little recording who? he's a bloke with a beard from Essex never he's, heard of him he's overrated mate yeah um, but but this but this this isn't what I do. What what I do is what you're doing. Right. Is sit and ask the questions and drive it. Okay. So to be the passenger in the vehicle, I'm like fucking gripping the tables and yeah. I wish I hadn't because there's some chewing gum under there. Yeah. There actually is. But I'm gripping the tables thinking, God, this is awful. Why? Because I tell you why, and it's it's all to do with low self-esteem. Okay. Why would anyone be interested in hearing what I've got to say? I'm not. I, I, I'm the conduit on my show for other people's stories and other people's interesting things, whether it be people phoning in or it be, you know, one of the Beach Boys or whatever. But my low, low self-esteem tells me I'm boring and I'm a piece of shit and la la. So why would anyone want to hear that? Well, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, obviously I... I grew up watching the 11 o'clock show. And, and, you used uh, to come down and, to it, And, and I did, me. I did, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, 20 years ago this year. That's scary. 20 years ago in about two weeks. Mm. But the, one of the other reasons that um, I can, you know, not agree, you know, with... with well, what, what I'm saying is I found listening to you on Adam Buxton's podcast and yeah. listening to you on Scroobs yeah. really fucking interesting. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here now if I didn't. That's true. And thank you for asking me on, by the way. Absolute I pleasure. I appreciate it. Um, I worry that I say too much. What's wrong with that? I've had a weird day. I tell you what, I've had a really weird day. Okay. How heavy do we, do we get in this? You can be as heavy as you want, mate. All right, I've had a really weird day today in that um, I have had, after several, a couple of months' communication with the Scouts... They've kind of got back to me today. To the, the Boy Scout the movement. Boy Scout movement. They were in, there was a story a couple of months ago, something I said on the radio about how I'd been abused in the Cubs like when I was like eight. And then the Scouts got involved and said, oh, we'd like to investigate this for you and see what, you know, what's going on. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, right. So I gave them all the details. And then they, got, they emailed me today and said... Uh, Okay, well, we've spoken to the police, and, but we can't tell you anything that, that's happened because of data protection. And I was like, what the fuck? What, why, are you, why did you get in touch with me? What have you, 
why has this happened then? Why did you talk to me and bring all this up again? So I, I, I kind of had a little rant on Twitter. Basically, my head's a bit all over the place because of this email that was, well, we've, we've listened to what you've said and we might have done some stuff, we might not have done some stuff, but we can't tell you. Thanks very much for your help. Pointless phone call. But it, well, it was an email. And it, it just fucking, it upset me more than it should have done. You know, and I read it, it was like, oh, hey, fuckers. And then when I got home, because I was out, I got home, I just burst into tears, and I don't know why. So I did this big rant on Twitter, and I sent him an email saying, I'm really disappointed with this response, this doesn't answer anything, blah, blah, blah. A few hours later, I had a really nice phone call from them where they actually told me a little bit more oh, okay. about what had happened and they kind of cleared up a couple of things and assured me that none of the people were working in with cub with kids anymore. But the whole thing is just something that happened 37 years ago and I'd sort of, you know, put it over there. It's just kind of brought it into perspective. It's just brought it back into yeah. the forefront today. So my head's a bit all over the place, and I can't remember why I'm telling you about that. I don't think there was even a question, but I think I'm explaining why I might be a bit discombobulated today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. Music. Mate, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. The music's, that got heavy, the music's a thread. And, yes. uh, and, and, and throughout this, we will talk about growing up, and yes. we'll talk about school, and we'll talk about... Beautiful. You know, your teens and, 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 and everything else in and around. So, all right. You feel free to talk about whatever you want Thank to do, you, mate. So, right. So, in regards to the list of songs. Yes. It's fitting that you start the first question with the intro. Yeah. And you've gone for Daydream Believer by the Monkeys. Mate, what a song, man. It's the, it's the perfect pop song. I'm obsessed by the Monkeys. Yep. To the point where I've started a record label, That's Seven right. Day Records, where we release. Like, sort of mainly solo stuff. Getting anything with the monkey's name on is really expensive and tricky. But we've done solo stuff. We've just put out Michael Nesmith and the first national band live. It's, it's, inc- it's an incredible album, right? And we've put it out, and I'm like, I can't believe it. Um, so I'm obsessed with the monkeys, and I always have been. And Daydream Believer's got two perfect intros. I can't think of another song that's got two intros in it. Okay. It's got the starts off with the, the talking bit that you don't always get. Which, yeah. you sending me this yeah. with, with a little nudge towards that bit yeah. made me listen to it. Yeah. And obviously I've heard that song millions of times. Never, ever picked up on that. Had you not, had you not heard it before? No. Wow. Like. It's because they don't always play it. But it's, it basically, it's a little bit of studio banter where yeah. Chip Douglas, the producer, says 7A. And David Jones, sounding very pissed off, says, what number is this, Chip? Seven, eh? Okay, man, just because I'm sure I know. It's like 12, 20 seconds, yeah. 15, 20 seconds. And it's so charming and so 60s and so weird. And then it goes into that amazing piano. It goes into that. Peter Tork playing the piano. Um, and it's just lovely. And it's the, it is, for me, the perfect pop song. I was singing it to my eldest son who must have been two, 18 months or two. And I was trying to get him to sleep and he wouldn't go to sleep. And so I'm holding him and I was singing Daydream Believer to him. This is years ago. And I got a text on my phone and it said, oh, sorry to hear about Davy Jones. And I was thinking, oh fuck. It was at the time when people were either dying or were pedos. And 
that text wasn't clear enough as to yeah. what it was. And then as I was singing, still singing it to my boy, holding him, I just got a load of texts saying that David Jones had died. And I was devastated, man. And I'd always laughed at people that, you know, when Michael Jackson died and everyone got upset and people crying in the street or Whitney Houston or whoever, I always kind of thought, well, that's a bit weird. Why are you crying about someone you've never met who just made some records? But then that night I got it because I, I burst into tears. There's a lot of crying in my life, mm -hmm. I should tell you now. But I burst into tears and I tried to work out why it was. And it was a whole number of reasons. It, it was because it, it, it was not necessarily mourning Davy Jones, a bloke I only had a piss next to once, as close I came to meeting him. It was mourning my childhood. It was mourning the, the kind of like a shift in the universe it was mourning um, my lost relationship with my dad it was all these different things that kind of came together that he his death I guess allowed me to access and I don't know does that make any sense completely make sense I, I, you know I, I can't put that many emotional connections to my my, my kind of take on that because obviously you know like everyone I loved Bowie I loved Prince yeah. and, and, and all of these these great artists that passed but when MCA from the Beastie Boys died for me their music doesn't affect me like the Beach Boys affect me yeah. or Flaming Lips or Nick Cave or anything like that it's it's raucous it's groove based and, 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 and but at 13 years of age License to Ill come out, yeah. and like most other kids that were into it, we went robbing VW signs off of cars, and, and we was jumping around to No Sleep Till Brooklyn and Brass Monkey and thinking that... That was the end of the world when that album like, came out. It was like, it? it was all in the paper, yep. this is anarchy. And, 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 Stop this filth. And at 13 years of age... Yeah, it's exciting. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, it yeah. was so exciting. And then for them to disappear and put out a couple of albums, which I'm not going to say I was super cool and, and was following, I wasn't. I've since gone back, obviously, but when... They come back with sabotage yeah. and ill communication. I was like, this band are amazing. Yeah. And then from then on, as a, as a DJ as well, I've played them nonstop. And I just thought, and when he died, I just thought, there's going to be no more music from them. And, and they have soundtracked my life. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and I would never say they're in my top 30 bands, but it was just one of those things that, if I think of school, that is what I think of the Beastie mm. Boys and, and, and hanging out with my mates and, and you know, being naughty and, and doing all the things that the Beastie Boys were telling you to do. Yeah. And, and then from DJing and watching people dance to this music and, and the joy of putting that sure shot on by the Beastie Boys or Intergalactic and seeing the place go mad, it was brilliant. I'm never going to be able to have anything new from them to do that. Yeah. And, and I think it's brilliant that they've, you know, they're not going to try and do anything without him. Right. You know? like, I think that's... You know, I, I think they're smart guys. Is that the, uh, no? Because I'm not that hot on the Beastie Boys. Is that the decision that they've come out and said? I don't said? know if there's been a, a big public announcement, right. but obviously it's been quite a while now since yeah. MCA passed, and and there hasn't been anything. You know, can and they not do like the Beatles did with Free as a Bird? Find a really shitty quality tape, and then kind of you know make it. Where do you stand on Free as a Bird? All right, uh, I think it's one of the Beatles' best songs. Genuinely. Really? Yeah, genuinely. I genuinely do. And I know that's, that's controversial. That's pretty out there. 
I think it's one of the Beatles' best songs. Wow. Yeah. And I really dig Real Love as well. I have no issue with that. Yeah. Um, but I know it's controversial and it's to Jeff Lynn. Yeah. Jeff Lynn. If, if Free as a Bird minus Jeff Lynn yep. plus Giles Martin or, yep. you know, it would be perfect. I think, it's, I think it's a great song. I think it's beautiful. I think the, uh, it's lovely hearing Ringo's drums with, the, you know, with Paul's bass and uh, uh, George's guitar, trading the vocals in the middle eights. I think it's stunning, okay. actually. Yeah, and that's the first time I verbalised it like that. But yeah, I think it's stunning. Well, just to go back to the monkeys. Yeah. Was your, what was your introduction to the monkeys? The TV show? TV as a kid? show in the, in the summer holidays, wasn't it? It was always on in the summer uh, holidays. Ask, how old are you? Huh? How old are you in? 45. Same as me, yeah. right? Every summer holiday, yeah. you got the monkeys at 9.25 yeah. on BBC One. Was there anything better than people pushing your mates down the road in a bed? Fucking hell, man. Or just running out to the sea and then running back when it's coming at you. Yeah. I found that hilarious. And of course, they had a big reunion in 86 where they became massive in the States. But everyone in Britain is going, yeah, but we've been watching them for like the last four or five years. Yeah. You know, I don't get what the what the fuss is about. You know, why they're so big. But so yeah, I was watching the TV show, mm. and I used to, my first ever record that I was given two records I was given by my mum when I got an old record player, and I was about five. So this was in the late seventies. Was the I'm a Believer single and the first Monkeys album, and those those are the records that I had. Those I had the eighteen twelve Overture. <laughs> and I had the black and white minstrels. Okay. Oh, you know, controversial. Yeah. They're an overlooked band that are due a comeback. I'm joking. But, um, <laughs> but so those, my, those are my three. So I just went and kept listening to the monkeys all the time. If I think it's really weird because it, it, the monkeys theme is obviously my, my earliest memory of the monkeys yeah. and, and, and the TV show. But when I bought a monkey's greatest hits a few years later when I was went out and started DJing I thought I'm going to start dropping some monkeys yeah. it wasn't I'm a believer or a daydream believer that reminded me of that show it was when I heard Mary Mary yeah, oh really yeah. there you and, go and I remember that from the show yeah at what it was doing in the show I have no idea I can't recall the show itself yeah. but as soon as I heard that little guitar lick at the beginning and the beat is obviously yeah. fucking incredible yeah yeah and I was like I've got to remember this when I was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and Mary Mary is my favourite. Run DMC song. sampled that, That's right. didn't they? That's they right. did a, they yeah. did a thing with it. But the, the, it's a brilliant breakbeat. Oh, uh, it's great. Yeah. I think now Mary Mary no, it's not Dolenz on the drums. It was that was that came in the next album he started playing the drums. But they're great and, and you know, you've seen Head. Yeah. Fuck, what a film, man. What a way to commit yeah. career suicide. You know, written by Jack Nicholson yeah. while they were all high on acids, deconstructing the monkey's myth. And at the time, no one saw it, but it's lasted longer than... It's, it's infinitely better than Help. Yep. You know, it's, it's dated nowhere near as badly as, the, as Help. But can you remember the, the sort of resurgence around 8990 with Head, yeah. where all of a sudden everyone was talking and referencing that film again in music... And I remember, oh. like, when all the, the second summer of love, the baggy thing, yeah, and the yeah, roses yeah. and the Mondays, all of a sudden, I just remember, like, in, like being, it being written about in the NME and going, gotta watch Head. Yeah. You know, it's this, it's this amazing film that you've got to watch. And I literally, my introduction was that second summer of love, going and watching yeah. Head from being told. They showed it on Channel 4, it would have been 1988, because I was 15. Maybe that's when it was. Maybe that's when it was. And I stayed, because I hadn't seen it, and I stayed up to watch it and tape it and um, just kept watching it. But I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it a hundred times, you know, yeah. at least. 
and it's just it's just the gift that keeps on giving yeah. you know it's fucking nuts yeah but wonderful yeah yeah and their best music you know pauper song as we go along with neil young on guitar you know incredible stuff so we will get back to the monkeys yes. as we go through this. I only want to talk I'm, about I'm, the monkeys. I've got to curb the monkeys, right? <laughs> <laughs> so for track two, yeah. um, I ask you the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah. And the song and the reason is fucking brilliant. Talking Heads, once in a lifetime, it scared the shit out of me. When was, when was that? 78, 79, something like that. And I remember living in this little house in this council estate in Slough. And I remember I had this tiny little radio, this little transistor radio. And I remember it was a Sunday night, so it would have been the charts. And I was stood in the doorway of my bedroom and the lights were off. And that song came on. And I was terrified. In that weird way that kids... They can't quite... Pro- I couldn't process the sound of it. Uh, do you know what, right? And I completely get that. And I had that response to it as well. And it wasn't just the sound of it. Because that bass line and the little synth player... It's, it's, it's that wibbly-wobbly. It's weird. It, you know, it's, that. it's fucking amazing. Yeah. But it's quite an odd sound. And the talking are an odd band. Yeah. But it was watching David Byrne's movements as well in the right. video that weirded me out and then seeing the Stop Making Sense concert yeah, yeah. and seeing him move in that big suit and it, it just didn't fit into a box for me no. and I was like oh I don't know what this is no. like, and, and still to this day I love Talking Heads but I wouldn't know what to describe them as I no. couldn't, you can't pigeonhole that band no I, I, I enjoyed Stop Making Sense I didn't see that till a long time later I get a little bit bored when they get really funky. Yeah. When they, 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 they go on the funk, and I'm like, okay, I got the idea. Have you heard Blind, though, from Naked, which was, like, I think it was their last album? And Johnny I, Martin I would have done. I've not it. for a long, long and time. And that's probably the most groove-based thing I've done. And it's right. probably my favourite really? song as well, yeah. They are incredible. I remember in as well talking about it now. It was the story in the song. First of all, his singing is fucked. Yeah. Right? By the way, I think David Byrne is a genius. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So his singing in that song is fucked. It's not normal. And then the story of someone finding themselves with a woman and a house, but that's not his wife. How did I get here? And then this kind of African sort of chorus kicks yeah. in. And as a, I remember standing in the doorway frozen with fear and then I think I ran downstairs and was crying to my mum because it terrified me yeah. that much but, I've, but I love Talking Heads now I'm not a great aficionado have you seen their movie uh, True Lies True Stories True no. Stories it's incredible I, I interviewed David Byrne once and wow. I really for me True Stories is head for the 80s yeah. right and then I interviewed him about it, and he said he claims he'd never seen Head, and I didn't believe him. Yeah. I think Byrne just wanted me out of the room. But um, it's directed by David Byrne, and he's kind of the narrator. John Goodman is in it, so that instantly makes it brilliant. And it's about David Byrne going to this small little town in Texas and it's kind of zooming in on people's lives and zooming in. And um, Oh, it's, a, it's an incredible movie. It divides people, but I yeah. think it's a masterpiece. Great songs. The soundtrack album isn't as good because the soundtrack album is Talking Head doing the songs, but in the movie, it's the actors 
doing the songs. Right. There's a great scene where these, like David Byrne is just walking and talking to the camera. Then he walks out of shot and there's like nothing in the shot for ages. Then you hear these kids singing and these kids sort of walk into shot, sing this amazing song. And then the scene ends. That's my top tip, guys, is uh, true lies, true story, true stories. That's it, true stories. I'm, I'm going to have a little look at that. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's very 80s, but um, it's fun. So the doorway you stood in, where was that doorway? Where was you, where was you born? Uh, I was in Slough. This was on Sorry, the Britwell, you did say Slough, didn't Slough. you? Yeah. This is the Britwell yeah. Estate in Slough, 120 Monksfield Way. Um, and I lived there until I was 11. And I went back there a couple of years ago because I kind of moved back from London to Windsor. And, um, and my sister was emigrating. And I said, should we go and have a look in our old house if we can get in there? She's like, yeah, right. And we went and there was a very nice lady there and I kind of posted a letter saying, could we come and have a look? And she was delightful and it was weird. I don't know if you've ever gone back to where you no. grew up. Like ghosts, there were, there were ghosts there, you know, some good ghosts and some bad ghosts there. It, some demons were laid to rest. It's an incredible, it's just a, it's just a building. It turns out a really small building, yeah. much smaller, obviously, than you remember. Maybe you were slightly bigger. I'm slightly bigger. I'm still quite a big six-year-old. <laughs> but just walking through that door, I stood in the doorway of the bedroom where I was terrified by the song, and I remembered that moment. I yeah. remembered that moment. It was, it was incredible, man. It was spiritual. I don't think anyone today has answered that question so amazingly. Oh, really? An emotional impact that you've actually gone back and could feel it again. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking amazing. I, I, was, I was stood there and I, and I felt it. I remember the shelves. I remember the radio was being there. Oh, it was incredible, man. Incredible. And it's a fucking amazing song. I don't remember seeing the video till quite some time yeah. after. And it's a stunning video. I was, um, years ago, I did Let's Dance for Sport Relief or Comic Relief. You know right. where they get yep, celebrities, yep, yep. in inverted commas, to come and create a big dance. And I, it was a toss-up. I really wanted to do the, the, that song, yep. the David Burns thing with the suit and the yep. guy, he's got the sort of Buddy yep. Holly glasses on and, and it's this incredible sort of impressionistic movement. And the BBC said, no, we want you to do Will Smith getting jiggy with it. Okay, all right, okay. I'll do that for you guys, it's for charity. Have you tried the David Byrne thing at home on your own? Yeah, I did. Oh, I did, I was trying it for ages when I was like, I was going, can I do this and can I make it funny and can I be convincing? Was you? I mean, I can't, no, <laughs> I, can't, I can't dance. <laughs> Funny enough, the big suit, <coughs> when you mentioned the 11 o'clock show, the first series of that, in fact, the first two series, I don't know how many series there were, first three series, I wear really big suits That's right. with the big shoulders. And the first series, I wear a big gray suit, right? It's too big, it's two sizes too big and the shoulders come out here. And the reason I wear that is because when I bought that suit, that was my first suit and I got ripped off. I went in and they put a suit on me that fitted, but was too short on the sleeves. And they said, come back, we'll have extended the sleeves. And they didn't, they just swapped it for a bigger jacket. <laughs> and I thought I looked really cool yeah. and smart. And so I turned up for the 11 o'clock show audition. I met this guy called Harry Thompson. And I'm wearing, I'm told it's a new show, so I'm wearing my suit. And he said, oh, I love the fact you're wearing a suit that's too big for you. I think that's a great gimmick. And I'm thinking, fuck. He's telling me I look like a prick and I've worn this suit to weddings and stuff. And then later on... You rolled with it, yeah? I ran with it. I went, 
thanks very much. And then later on, someone in you know, an interview said, why do you wear that silly suit? And I said, oh, it's a tribute to David Byrne in Stop Making Sense and you know, his suits get bigger and so my suit is big and that, it's not. That was you couldn't have styled that out any better. <laughs> <laughs> it was my only suit. This is I why I look like smart. a prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, growing up, was, yes. there, was there music on at home? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of music for me. My mum and my dad um, liked, at the time, what I thought were terrible, terrible bands. My mum and dad loved Neil Diamond, and my mum really liked Dr. Hook. And at the time, you think, fucking hell, this is terrible. Just been listening to Neil Diamond on the car, driving in, and I'm now really good friends with the lead singer from Dr. Hook, and I think... Really? Oh, Dennis LaCorrier and me. Oh, we're, we're great mates, yeah. Dr. Hook was on had the dude with the eye patch as well. dude with the eye patch, and then who was kind of like the face of the band, yeah. and then Dennis was the singer. Yeah. And, you know, some great songs written by Shel Silverstein, who wrote Boy Named Sue, yep. and he wrote um, Carry Me Carry and uh, uh, Sylvia's Mother, and some great songs. And so I'm friends with the lead singer from Doc Took now, and I love it, I go and see them, I think they're brilliant. But so there was music. My sister was playing a lot of music that I didn't dig. She was really into- An, an older sister. Older sister, three years older. She was into stuff like Japan and The Cure, and then later The Beatles. So when I was in The Monkees, she was in The Beatles, and we had the kind of 67 rivalry all over again. Um, and I used to listen to a lot, I had a little tape player, and I used to listen to a lot of, as a kid, I'm talking six, seven, eight, like comedy songs, like The Goodies and shit like that. But yeah. I remember about the age of eight or nine, getting really into the Thompson Twins. Okay. And I had their album, Into the Gap. And as a nine-year-old, I loved it. I loved it. I, for some reason, I, I watched some kind of 80s concert on the telly the other day, and yeah. it was Tom... I can't remember the guy's name. No, is it, no, I know. I can't remember his name either. But from the, yeah, it's definitely Tom. Yeah. the singer in the Thompson Twins. I'm sure. Oh, am I just saying it's Thompson Twins? No, it is Tom. It yeah. is Tom. Yeah, and and I because I remember like Alana Curry, she scared me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she looked really different. And she had the big hair, yeah, big red the, hair, the really and the tall hat, sides as well. Sh- like, yeah, the shaved sides and sort of like almost like dreads or like yeah. plaits. Like, and I thought. I wonder what she looks like now. Yeah. So I, I googled her. This was literally last week, and she is going out with Jimmy Courty from the KLF. Really? Yeah. Oh, good, good for them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Crazy weird people just kind of <laughs> coming together. Love it. Love it. I remember some of the other stuff my sister was into as well. She liked. She was really into her pop. So she was big into Adam and the Ants. Uh, I don't think Duran Duran, no, but Adam and the Ants, I remember, was big. And a, about ten, eight years ago, when I was working at Virgin, and Adam Ant was like doing the rounds, and no one wanted to talk to him at that point, you know, no one was interested. So an email went round going, we've been offered was, Adam Ant. Was this at the time when he was really struggling with his mental health? This was a little bit after it, right. but he hadn't yet kind of made the full comeback that right. he's since made. And was he, he dressed as the pirate kind of get up then, or was he uh, still kind of... I don't... I think it was... He was just getting into the pirate. I can't remember. But no one wanted him. And I yeah. said, I love Adaman. Of course I love Adaman. And he was, he was. He was. He was peculiar, and he was a little bit demanding, but he was so charming... And you know, you know, with interviews, you never quite know what you're going to get with them, right? Whether they're going to play or they're going to... 
And we got on really well. And during the interview, I said, look, Adam, my sister, as an 11-year-old, loved you. I know that she'll be asleep now because I've not told her you're on tonight. Would you mind if, if I phoned her up? Would you leave a message for her? And so we did. He phoned up my sister. All right, Joe, this is Adam from Adam and the Ants. Believe uh, you were a bit of a fan of mine back in the day. My, next day, my sister phoned up in tears. Oh, that's what amazing. What the fuck have you done? <laughs> Adam had left me a message. Oh, it was beautiful, man. Beautiful. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast... If we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up and get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. I just, I think now he's getting, do you know what? I remember seeing interviews with him. Yeah. Talking about when he sort of broke through. Yeah. And, you know, post the kind of punk thing when he became a pop star. And the whole thing of don't drink, don't smoke, but he didn't. Yeah. And he, he just was obsessed with fame, wasn't yeah. he? He yeah. was so driven to just be famous yeah. and, and to be consistent with his output and the kind of distractions, they weren't there for him. Yeah. And, I, and I think at that point, that must be, must be bananas, being like one of the most f- iconic faces at that point because, you know, he looked incredible, right? Beautiful. And like, you know... And he, he had was, the image. Yeah. He was huge in the States as well. Yeah. He um, performed at, I think, like Motown's 25th anniversary concert. He did a duet with Diana Ross, I think. A, wow. A Motown kind of thing and was hanging out backstage with Marvin Gaye and stuff, you know. And I think, could be wrong, I think he was the only white artist on that Motown bill. Wow. And he was huge in the States. He married Heather Locklear, didn't did he marry Heather Locklear? No. It was. I think he. Married. It might have been Heather Locklear. I think it was. Yeah, but he was. He was so charming, and I, I, and he came in a couple of times, and my sister met him as a result. And what you know, what a nice, what a nice bloke, you know. And and uh, and really interesting because because he did have. I'm going to say a breakdown for want of a better word. I don't know what word he'd use, but where he, he I think he didn't he fire a, a pistol or something in a, a, a pub window after he'd been uh, laughed at. I thought he threw Maybe. something through a, a. Maybe, like. but he'd been laughed at, and then mm. I think he was sectioned. And I remember all of the papers laughing at him. Remember them laughing at him. F- failed pop star Adamant locked up in mental home for. And even, I mean, I don't know how long ago it was, actually. I wouldn't like to guess. But I remember reading that and thinking, how can you laugh at... How can you laugh at someone... That's not salacious. That's, that's sad. Yeah. That's really, that's really sad. And I'd like to... I guess the last kind of headline like that was Bonkers Bruno. Do you remember that when Frank Bruno kept... Bonkers Bruno and the sun, and they, they, they changed it, I think, that day. And I think we've come on from there, but we still, there's still a little bit of... Hand rubbing glee when people course, have their breakdowns. We want to see it. Like, and however it's headlined now, however 
sincere the headline may be, yeah. there's always riddled with digs and, yeah, and yeah. snide comments. And I, I interviewed um, Frank Bruno. I'm a, boxing's my, my passion. Wow, okay. And, and, I, and I sat down with Frank Bruno about eight months ago, just after he put his recent book out. Right, how's he doing? And he was absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Good. Absolutely Brilliant. fantastic. And, and his book was discussing his mental health and, um, and he was telling me what he does now for, for you know, he's, he's got a boxing club that he's opened in Milton Keynes and, uh, and, he's, and he's focusing on, on getting people exercising to try and sort of, because he, he, he said that, I hope I get this correct, but he said that he was heavily sedated, he said, when he um, got sectioned. He said he couldn't put his tongue back in his mouth and... And he said he just started training again. Mm. Once he, he, he realised that that was what he had to do. And, 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 and I mean, there's a, there's a video on YouTube of him doing some pad work with Ricky Hatton that come out maybe a year ago. He's at fight weight mm. and he's absolutely ripped. And he said, exercise is, is what's kind of really got my, my head where I want it to be. So and, he, he uh, could still, he, he still might beat Mike Tyson? Is that where we're going? In all honesty. <laughs> As much as I, do you know what? Right, if we're going to talk about crying, I can't watch Frank Bruno lift that belt without crying. Really? It's the most. Tell me why. why what? What is? How does it connect with you then? The underdog. Yeah. Had been beaten by Mike Tyson, and I was I was quite young, and he was the guy that was the the funny sportsman. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you wanted you, you liked him. He was nice. You know, he wasn't Mike Tyson. He wasn't. He wasn't evil. Yeah. You know? He wasn't a rapist. Uh, or there's know. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and I just, for, for the age that I was, he was the boxer whose career I'd followed. And, and to, I saw him lose to Witherspoon. I went to White Hart Lane and I watched him fight Joe Bugner. Wow. And, and then obviously we all, and I, and I asked him in the interview, um, I said, and it, and it was quite weird. He, it was quite, I've never felt that. I've never said that this actually, but I've never felt a presence, mm. right? And and he's not as big as you think. He's probably a little bit shorter than me, right? And uh, and I sat opposite, like I am sitting with you now, and I said, um, "What was going through your mind when you walked out at three o'clock in the morning into um, wherever wherever the fight was, Caesars, and and you knew that you was fighting arguably the most." feared fighter of all time and the whole of the UK are crowded around televisions at three o'clock in the morning willing yeah. you to win I said what was going on in your head and he leant across the table and said I wanted to knock him out and as he said it he leant forward and he just his fight face come on right. and as he leant forward I naturally leant back Wow! Yeah. and I just felt a, it sounds a bit weird but I felt an almost a, a a power, like a yeah, presence, yeah, and, it, and it was like, whoa, yeah. like you know, and and he, you've got to have that fight face. If, you're, if that's your, your game, then you know you've oh, got yeah, to be yeah. able to, be to, to, to turn it on at that point. And and he, he you know, the, the joke stopped, and he was like, I wanted to knock him out, and uh, and I was wow. like, okay, and uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit nerve wracking. I bet. And, I'm glad uh, he's doing well. He was absolutely lovely, and do you know what he he spoke to the, the guy that I was doing the podcast with. He's, 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 his dad's been up and down and, 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 and Frank had um, been doing all the loose swimmings and all that all day right. and we, we went up to um, a little studio in London we had the last interview we were just doing a podcast 
and he was shattered and he hadn't eaten and he was you know he was like said his voice was going and I thought oh this could be tough yeah, right? because yeah. we're not interviewers you know we was just learning as we was going and 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 I was trying not to be a fanboy and uh, and just as we was finished and we, and we was leaving um, we said something and Chris said oh yeah my, um, someone I know was on that um, their meds and then he stopped and he went come back in sit down oh wow and he said wow so that okay so what you should look into with that and he just literally was walking out the door come back in sit down and yeah. was speaking about oh, good for him. somebody who knows mental health and, and it was like you didn't need to do that and he was just no you just think just a nice guy a like, nice bloke yeah a nice bloke and, uh, okay so moving on to school yes um, I asked <laughs> The song that reminds you of your time at school. So is this junior or senior? This is senior. This is when me and my friends were trying to start a band. And so we got guitars and drums and we're like, we're going to start a band. And we would meet and I was guitar. And we would meet at my friend Malcolm Richmond's house. And he had cable TV. Big shot. Yeah, he was a big shot. Big time guy. In Slough? Yeah. Yeah, well, they put it on a lot of the estates in Slough. It's like really old cable yeah. TV. It wasn't Sky, it wasn't satellite. Yeah. It was cable. And there was a channel on there. I think it was called Music Box. I don't know. It was, I remember but that. You could, and you could text a number. That's right. And it, and it would play the video that corresponded with it. Yeah. It, was like, it was like, you know, this is before the internet came. Yeah. So this was like, whoa. And, we would ju- and everyone else who was watching around the country could see your number. So we just kept putting 666. That was, that was trolling. That was us trolling. And on there, they didn't have much choice, right? And on there, they had uh, a couple of tracks from a Kinks live in the 80s video. Not we're talking Kinks really bad hair at this point, aren't we? We're talking rock, rock mullets recorded live in America. Not classic Kinks period, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, but... And one of them was, uh, I'm guessing it was, would have been about 1987. Uh, and one of them was this fucking heavy metal version of You Really Got Me. And it was one of the songs that we were trying to play in the band. And we were, and so we would just sit around and just re- keep requesting the, vi- the video of You Really Got Me by the Kinks. Because it, it, I've not heard it for years and I bet it doesn't really stand up very well. But at the time... It was like Dave Davis, who I think is an incredible guitarist, you know, I think he's so influential. The simplicity, but the power that he has. Dave Davis just fucking cock-rocking like nobody's business, looking like the rock star. Ray looking like the eccentric Brit live in Los Angeles or wherever it was, kind of camping it up and hamming it up and doing silly falsetto vocals and stuff. And just the band, this wall of sound. We never achieved anything like that, Wallace. Yeah. We were a terrible band. But um, it was that, and it just reminds me of sitting in Malcolm Richmond's living room and his mum bringing in a tray of tea and biscuits and, you know, uh, us being cocky, 15, 14, 15-year-old. 15 a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And just watching that. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's due to our age that at that point, like... You, you didn't have access to music however you wanted no. it so you had a thirst for it and if you could get something from somewhere that you liked yeah. you'd be all over it wouldn't you yeah. like you know you oh. could only afford so many records and you know I didn't have many mates that could afford MTV no. do you know what I mean we the record fairs used to go to a lot of record fairs and buy those little coloured bootleg cassettes yep. of things I remember buying a lot of stuff from America you know yeah. a lot of tapes and bootlegs from America and you'd send off to an address in the back of record collector right, or something right. to, to somewhere in the States then, then a month later you'd get back a yep. list of their stuff and you'd go through it and go right what can I do I get this this and this and then you'd go mum can you she, I can't, it was a really complicated way I think you had to go to the bank was it like a postage a postal order or something like that wasn't it it was something like that but for, for, for dollars I think you had to get like a banker's draft yeah. or something you had to get some weird check yeah. so you, you decide you're going to get mum would go and get that in a take a couple of weeks then you'd send that off sometimes you never heard back again that was it that was $50 yeah. gone and then or sometimes you get a package of, of cassettes of dubious quality. Yeah. And that whole process could take three, four, five yeah. months. Yeah. You know, and it is that thing now. If I want to hear the Beach Boys live in Santa Monica in 1975, I'll go to my phone, we'll have it in 30 seconds. Yeah. Then you had to you had to go through this really torturous process. And you cherish it when you got it, right? Oh mate. It was like gold. Yeah. That package when it came, it was yeah. it was like treasure, man. Actual yeah. treasure. Yeah. And I don't want you know. Some where is it? I think it was an interview with Mick Jagger, I think, who said, someone said, "Do you think your your music's going to be remembered in a hundred years?" He said, "No." Pop is that. Pop is that. Pop is almost done. Pop is 1954 to, what, 2030? Pop, pop is a blink. You know, pop and rock and roll is a blink. And it, it, will, be, it will be meaningless. And, and I kind of get that. I think that might be a slight exaggeration. But music means different things to 15-year-old now than it did when we were 15. You know, you, you think of... You would covet the album. You'd, you'd go around and you'd tr borrow your mate's record and you, or you'd he'd tape it for you. Yep. All of that stuff. There was, um, it, 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 there was kind of a, a, literally a magic around it. It was, you know, it was spells were cast when you went into a record shop and you found the record. And now it means something different. I'm not saying it's any less important. It's just a different meaning with the availability of it. I've had this chat with... with, with a few guests 
and it's you know it, and and it's really hard to try and not sound like an old bastard yeah but it's our reference point right yep. and and you know like yourself children and, and I watch how they ingest their music now and it is completely different yeah. and, and I do think that it's saturated I'm sure that they'll still find what they want somehow mm. but my thing that I always think is the loss is like if you buy Pet Sands or Sergeant Peppers or what's going on or whatever it's a body of work yeah. it's not a, I'm going to buy that one yeah. off of iTunes and that one off of iTunes you know it, I do think I like that and I'm not saying I'm into like prog concept albums, but yeah. you know, I like it when what's going on flows as an album, right? Yeah. And, and I like hearing that as a body of work, how it was meant to be heard. And I think now, if you said to someone, you should check out Marvin Gaye, they'd probably go on Spotify and go, oh, what's going on? Secure Healing, yeah. heard it through the grapevine. Yeah. And hopefully they'd think that'll lead me down a, you know, a hole into finding more. Yeah. But then there's always that constant niggle down the side screen saying, you might like this, you, you might, might like this. this. That's, the, that's the thing. It's that distraction. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I did get quite, quite, I used to get quite angry about it. And everything, you know, it should be listened the way the artist meant and all that. Actually, I don't really give a shit now because albums weren't a thing until 66. Until yeah. you got, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, Rubber Soul and Revolver, that maybe yeah. 65. Blonde on Blonde and, and Pet Sounds. Yeah. You know, until then, apart from a few exceptions... It was, it was three or four singles and, sh- and whatever they could record that afternoon. Yeah. Um, so this whole Spotify generation now and the YouTube thing, that's just another, it's just another evolution, you know. It's, it's, just, yeah. it's just another thing. And the artists are kind of working in that new medium. Now it's videos on YouTube. Yeah. You get 10 million views of a Justin Bieber song. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, that's what they're working towards then. Um, some people are still doing great albums. Some pop stars are still yeah. doing great albums. I think Taylor Swift is fucking incredible. Yeah. You know, she's incredible. But it's the evolution of the thing. And I made sure that my kids have got record players and CD players and cassette players, and they know how to do it. But still their favorite thing is the speed, is can you bring that song up on your phone? Yeah. Can you, that, that uh, what was, I don't know what they're listening to at the moment. Pharrell Williams was the last one I remember. Can, can you get that up on YouTube on the TV so we can watch it? Okay, well, that's how you're digesting. It's a sign of times, right? It, it is, it is. And I, I don't know if pop music is going to be anything in 20 years' time. I don't know. I don't know. I'm an old man. Well, let's go back to when you were a young man. Yes, thank you. Did you enjoy school? Oh, man. I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot. Um, but I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't very good at it. I was not very good at exams. I failed a lot of exams. And here's the thing. And I'm was sure you creative, that, though? Yeah, I was. But I felt that... But I didn't know what my outlet was. I was doing drama, then they cancelled drama. Wasn't, I had a guitar, but I couldn't really play it. I didn't know... I wanted to be an actor was the thing. And the school were like, well, you'll never be an actor. No one's an actor. Why don't you become a teacher? Fuck it, okay. But I look back on school with, with, with a lot of shame. I, I got bullied quite a bit, but I also bullied quite a bit. I did some fucking horrible things to a lot of really good people, and I have to carry that shame around with me. And I did it because I was abused as a kid, because my dad was an idiot, because of all these things. But the, the bottom line is, some people were fucking horrible to me and made my life a misery. So I, in turn... 
took that that shame and that self hatred, and I then used it on other people and, yeah. and bullied other people. But you, that that you know, you you, you know, to, to feel guilt over that, I guess, is a natural response. But you was a child. I was fifteen for a lot of it. I've reached out the three people that I was the worst to. I've reached out to them and I've apologised, and they. As I remember, this is the last couple of years. I've been very, very grateful. Told me how it made them feel, and accepted my apology, uh, which is which is amazing, which is incredible, which I'm very grateful for. But yeah, I, I feel guilty. I do feel guilty. I was an arsehole for a lot of it. You know, I was an arsehole, and that's something I've got to live with. The, the positive I can take out of that is I make sure with my kids. I'm there more for them than my dad was there for me. I'm a, I try and be a positive male role model. You can't do any more than that. And, That's and, it. And, and, and a lot of people in that situation that you've just explained will probably have gone the other way. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's you know, it's to your credit that you've, you, you've turned that into a positive. I've tried. I've tried. But um, I didn't really like school. I, I felt I never fitted in. I had some good friends and we laughed a lot. Um, and then I was surprised when everybody passed their exams because I thought they were all fucking around as much as me and they weren't. They were fucking around, but they were also putting a lot of work in. That was so me. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, they, they, uh, you know, I passed drama and, uh, and, and <laughs> but everything else, I was just dicking around my mates and then but all of a sudden... But did they do well? Yeah, they all done really well. Yeah. Fuckers, and, uh, and I remember that, that, that one of my mates... Um, actually went to a nightclub the night before an exam and uh, and I just thought I mean because we was like 16 I wasn't yeah. I, you know I looked too young at that age I couldn't get into a nightclub but he was one of them blokes that looked like one of your dad's mates when he was 12 yeah. and and he uh, he went to a nightclub and got pissed and then come and done his exam and still done better than me <laughs> and, uh, and I remember just sitting there thinking I wish I would have gone to the club but I was too young to get in but I just thought well he ain't going to do very well and I remember opening the paper and thinking oh I'm fucked and, like, and yeah, he breezed it. And I was, yeah, I was, I certainly did not get why. But I you hoped. were creative then. You say you passed drama. Yeah. So you had a creative streak. Did you feel that school, this is what I felt, and I want to feel the same, that school, my school was on a tr- near a trading estate in Slough. So everyone was being geared up to work in business or work in a factory. It was not catering towards art. Uh, art. And, and the year I went to do GCSE drama, that's when they stopped doing drama. And it was like, we're, we're going to focus on business studies and economics. Yeah. And art was like an hour, you know, art was that thing you did an hour a week where you painted shitty pictures and that was it. And art was painting, yeah. which I couldn't do. And I, so I felt that school wasn't, didn't talk to me. Yeah. Was that the same for you? Well, 100%. Yeah. You know, like, um, I decided to take economics because I thought that's what I should do because when you leave school where I live in Essex you come to London and you get a job in the city right. I didn't know what them jobs were yeah, you, know, yeah. you just got a job in London where you earned loads of money yeah. and, and to be honest I, I weren't bothered about earning loads of money and, and I got a job in London and Did I come you earn up, loads of money? No I quit at lunchtime <laughs> um, because <laughs> I liked I didn't know what I was good at Yeah, and I guess I still don't. And, and when I when I when I'm distraction piece, when I went on Pitch Podcast, he was saying you're one of them people that everything that you've done in in bands or in clubbing or anything like that you've you've done, you've 
had to align yourself with someone that's got talent right, right. to kind of facilitate your ideas. Yeah. Because I can't play guitar very well, yeah. but if he plays it, I can write an all right song. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I've not got that. And, and, and that was school for me. Like, you know, I, I, I come to London in, in the summer holidays and, and signed up at the agencies because that's what you're meant to do. Yeah. And got a job in Allgate. And, and at the time I had a haircut, probably not too dissimilar from this abomination I made now. And, and I remember these, these stuffy old bastards when I got there went, office juniors, they ain't got the haircuts they should have. Look at the state of him. And I just went, see you later. And I went home and I remember my nana bought me um, the, 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 the train ticket for like a month. So I had to go to the station and try and cash that back in and then take my suit back to no. Burton's or oh, whatever. And, uh, and my mum and dad were like furious. And my nan was like, oh, fuck, I'm, don't worry about it. But, uh, but then I, I signed up at college and, uh, and got into making music yeah. and, 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 and got to hang out with the girls in the art block that were the ones that interested me, you art, know? Arty girls. It was all about that, there. you know? There's, I know what you mean about what you, what you were expected to do. And my mum was brilliant because my mum... When I failed my exam, she, she said, all right, well, do, you want to, do you want to do them again? And she said, like, but didn't do great in the GCSEs, but did okay. And I failed the A-levels miserably. Do you want to go to college and do them again? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And she was great. And she kind of, I said, I want to be an actor. She said, all right, well, let's, here's 200 quids, go and audition for drama schools. And I didn't get in any, but she kind of allowed me to do that. But the whole school thing of this is what is expected of, I had a teacher who laughed at me when I said I want to be an actor. Actually, laughed at me. Fuck, you know, you don't do that to a kid. Be realistic and say it's tough, but okay, well, let's see what we can do. Yeah. But there were some dumb teachers then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. I, I, I remember we, we'd, we'd walk to the chip shop every lunchtime to, like, go up the local shops in our lunch break, and we would literally watch six or seven of our teachers just go in the pub, yeah. get on it, and then come back and teach us. Wow. And like, it's bananas, really, isn't it, when you think about it. I did that a few times when I was in the sixth form. We went to the pub in the sixth form. Yeah. I remember once, fuck you know, I, smoked, I stole a bottle of Jack Daniels from my parents and took it into the sixth form common room. And at break time, <laughs> me and my mate Slim went down to the B-jams that we worked in Went in the nice stole, shout out to B Jams. There we there. go. Stole a bottle of lemonade, went into the staff room, and we and literally in a 20-minute break, we did half this bottle of Jack Daniels. Went back to school wankered. Great times. Yeah. <laughs> Great times. You weren't teaching though, right? No, I was not teaching. There no, you go. I was not teaching. All right, yes. so we're gonna move on to um, track four. Yeah. Which is the first record that you, you ever bought. And I'll tell you what, you, you message me, right? And I'll read the message. This is bollocks. Everyone lies and says something cool. Mine wasn't. No one's been cool so far. Really? Yeah. Okay. The what? guy from Block Party said Stiltskin. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the song from the Levi's yeah, advert. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He went on, the guy from Stiltskin. Genesis. Went the lead singer for Genesis. That's right. That's right. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel so bad then. Uh, the first one I bought with my own money was, I guess, um, would have been 1981, 82. We'd just been on our first holiday abroad to Spain. I think it was 1983, because I think it's oh, on... Fuck. I think it's on my chart hits 83. It could be. Oh, God, that, make, that makes it even more Unless shameful. it was a Christmas 83 album and it came out in 82. Um... Uh, we'd been on our first, first holiday in Spain and this was the song that played. And I remember coming back 
I remember standing outside Boots, because Boots sold records, and I said, Mum, could you give me £2.50 or whatever it was, £1.70, whatever a single was, I want to go and get a single. Yeah, what do you want to get? I do not nothing, just want to go and get a record. I'll come up with you. No, no, I want to go and get it. And it was um, La Dolce Vita by Ryan Paris. Yeah. What a song. <laughs> it's a fucking great record. Do you know what? <laughs> it's... It's one of them songs that when I hear it, it just takes me back to Christmas Day putting that Chart Hits album on. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I ain't playing it when I go out DJing. <laughs> but, uh, but it ain't got to be cool, right? It reminds you of a time. And that's, it that's does. What... And it, it, is, it is that thing. And I am embarrassed, a bit, a bit embarrassed by it. But I don't, you know, I don't really care. But it does. It reminds me of that holiday. It reminds me of when Boots sold records. It reminds me of my mum giving me... It reminds me of all these wonderful things. And I loved it. Are we, near, are we next to the toilets? That, that noise, I should have mentioned that. It is. It's, it's, we've got the background noise, but the toilets are next to oh, us. So man. we're getting intermittent and flushing. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, Ryan Paris, I don't think ever had... He's, he's the definition of one-hit wonder. And I bet he's still out there doing reckon, that Dolce Vita. I reckon you'd probably catch him at like some Only Falls and Horses bar in Torrevieja. Yeah. Like sombrero on, just giving it a bit of that. I bet as well. There's probably a, a, a La Dolce Vita t- 2000 Millennium mix with Ooh, a mts, mts, definitely, mts. definitely. Um, but yeah, it was it was a strange. I remember didn't he have um, a straw boater or something? Am I thinking of Elton John? I think he had like a straw boater or something on in the. On I the remember cover. The, if the sleeve, it was like he had black hair, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, good and, looking and, guy. And, and like a, a black sort of suit jacket on. I, I remember right. I don't remember. And he was quite was... a cool looking dude. Yeah, just shit music. Yeah, can't have it all, mate. Europop, I guess, is what they they call it. I'd go with holiday song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a holiday, holiday song, song, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. But that was the first one I bought with my own cash. Okay. Um, but. Did anyone gift you any records before that? Well, I told you the first album and single were The Monkees. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and no, I just remember taping a lot of stuff. I remember, I remember always telling my sister I didn't like her music. Then when she was out, I would, I would tape it. I remember taping Two Tribes by Frankie. Did, did that not scare you? The video scared me because I thought it really was Gorbachev yeah. and uh, Reagan. Reagan fighting in the thing and it also scared me as well this was slightly earlier but there was a period in the 80s which I bet you identify with where we thought we were going to die there's going to be a nuclear attack I've got a song I'm going to tell you about threads and all of that stuff Uh, and yeah I thought that video was was menacing and that whole the, the intro the the, 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 if you hear this sound, it's the yeah. four-minute warning. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. And, and, to, and for, for people that are, that are younger that are listening to this, from what you was being told in the news and, and you know, and all the stuff that was going on at um, Greenham Common, yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, it felt like shit was going to happen, didn't it? It really did feel like it was going to kick off. And it was the video that freaked me more than anything. Can you remember the video of Dancing With Tears In Our Eyes? By Ultravox. I remember the song. I don't remember the video. He's like running through... The, the warning's gone off and he's running through crowds trying to get home to his wife and it's fucking harrowing. No. And like, oh, I'll have to have a yeah. look at that. I mean, slightly... You, you lose sight of the story because you are focusing on these bizarre yeah. pointy sideburns. Yeah, 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 of but, course. Um, that probably started World War Three. I mean, yeah. He should be a cannibal. I, I became that. fascinated with apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic art movies and um, threads I'm host get this in December I'm going up to Sheffield or Yorkshire 
to host a screening of Threads with Reese Dinsdale, one of the stars of it. I wow. Can't, I cannot wait. Um, but that film is the bleakest film. There's that, there's the one with Steve Gutenberg in, The Day... Police Academy. The police... <laughs> Talk about post-apocalyptic scenes. I watched all seven Police Academy movies in one day once. That was like taking acid, because your reality just kind of fucked. Ian, I'm going to show you a thread. Here we go. Uh, sorry, a thread, a, a picture that I, I sent to... Um, from Steve Gutenberg. The hey! New, the new Police Academy movie is done. Wow! Carrie Mahoney's back. Well, <laughs> if we're going to play Steve Gutenberg poker... Hang on a minute. Let me, uh, let me see if I've still got this. Whose phone number is that? Fuck off. Yes, man! Yes! <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> How the fuck have you got Steve Gutenberg's phone number? This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> right, he came over years ago to do pantomime, maybe eight years ago. Right. And I, I was on Virgin, and he came in, and he inter- interviewed him, and he was lovely. And he said... Um, what are you doing later tonight? I said, oh, nothing. He said, well, do you want to go out and get something to eat? I said, yeah, all right, Steve. Here's my number. I'll, see, I'll speak to you later. He didn't phone up. I thought, well, of course he's not going to phone up. He was just yeah. being polite. Next day, I get a phone call. Hey, Ian, it's Steve Goodenberg. Sorry about yesterday. I just fell asleep. I had jet lag. Do you, do you and your wife want to come out and have some dinner with me tonight? Fucking yes, man. So we met Steve Goodenberg. We went and had um, some Japanese food. Went to... Um, I think we went to Black's. I was still a member of Black's drinking club. Um, and then we, we, went and saw, we went and saw him a couple more times. We went and had breakfast with him at his hotel. We went and saw his pantomime and he spoiled my niece and nephew rotten. And we, we get into, I was in New York last year and I just sent him a little email saying, Steve, I'm doing the show from New York. Have you got 20 minutes to just have a chat? Ian, let me buy you breakfast. And he came and bought me breakfast. It's fucking Steve Gutenberg from Cocoon. He's the nicest man in the world. If you want to see something funny, go on YouTube and look up Steve Gutenberg jogging without any trousers. Right. It's the funniest thing, man. It's the funniest thing. I can't believe you know Mahoney. Yeah, yeah, I do, mate. Yeah, it's a very, very close personal friend of mine. That's incredible. Isn't it? That's the only one I've got on there. <laughs> that's the only famous person I know, and it's a good one. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, so track five. Yes. Um, the song that soundtracked your clubbing years. Well, right, my clubbing years, I never really went clubbing. I did it a few times. I went out with a girl when I was at college who was into clubbing, and we went a few... Tanny, cheesy kind of, you know, no, like dancey fucking, clubbing no, or... No, big old fucking warehouse. Oh. Different floors, chill-out rooms, black and white film showing. Totally not my world. But I was really into this girl. I was really into the drugs, that was the thing. That yep. was the thing that was, was, was the drugs. So when's this? This is when I'm at... It was a really brief period. When I was second, third year at college, so I'm 21, 20, 21, 22. Right. Something like that. So was this early, late 80s, early 90s? This was uh, about 94, 95, 96, okay. 97. We only went a few times, but it was the drugs. And then I realised you could have even more fun if you stayed at home taking the drugs. So we stayed at home and just took loads of drugs. So I didn't really go a lot. And I never liked that. It wasn't really my kind of thing. I like the chill-out music. I like just just sitting in the chill-out room and going, what the fuck is this, you know? And it was... um, 
on that first Café Del Mar album that I guess everybody had in the mid-90s because it was huge. And it's a song called Estelle. And it's a band called Adam or a man called Adam. I can never remember. I had to Google it. A man called Adam. And it's just this... It's unlike anything... I've ever heard before or since. It's this one, this flute, this, there's a man and a kid talking in Spanish in the background. The, the, the woman's voice, I don't know anything about the band. The woman's voice is just this gorgeous kind of floaty vocal. It's fucking beautiful. I can't listen to it now. Cause I, I, I haven't had drink or drugs for a long, long time. Well, um, and I can't listen to it now because it, I guess you'd call it a flashback, but it takes me into that frame of mind of when I was coming up on ecstasy, which is not a frame, which is, which is a great frame of mind, but it's not a frame of mind that I can let myself get into again because it's kind of dangerous for me. But um, it takes me right back. And it was partly the fact that we were doing, you know, ecstasy. Yep. There's a reason it's called ecstasy. Yep. So... I, I, I think I think if you take a hallucinogenic or or, or or something like ecstasy, and you're listening to music, there is a almost physical fusion. But that music becomes part of you to a certain extent, just the way your brain interprets it. Uh, and that song, man, reminds me of being in love in my twenties. It reminds me of um, wonderful sunshine mornings. Reminds me of really, you know, dark nights and by dark I mean you know black not not as in depressing um see funny I'm talking about it and I can start to feel that little tingle at the back of my neck crazy isn't it funny isn't it funny but it's a great song okay so uh, do you know what like it's strange you know I've been a club promoter for 27 years yeah and the thought of going to a nightclub is pure hell yeah for me I like to sit indoors and listen to music and chat to my pals and uh and it's quite strange because if we're ever out now, if I go out with, with, with some of the lads and we have a few drinks, they're like, should we go to a club? And I just think, fuck off, no. Has but, that always been the way for you? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to talk to people in nightclubs. Right. And it's a stupid thing for me to then become a nightclub writer. But that was, <laughs> that's my kind of thing. I, I can, I don't have to stand in a club and try and make conversation with someone. I've never been someone that could go up to a girl in a club and say, hi, can I buy you a drink? I couldn't Jesus, never do how that. how do you do that? Like, exactly. You know, I had friends that could do it, and it, I was just like, man, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I've always kind of been, if I'm standing outside the front of the club and running, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like right. to kind of be in control of what I'm doing and, and be able to dictate my night. Yeah. Which isn't always conducive to, like, what your friends want to do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I... I I like to just, God, I sound old. Just, yeah, have a drink and, and chat to my pals. And but enjoy. It, I don't think it should sound old because that's always been my preferred yeah. thing anyway. Even in my, my 20s, yeah. that was what I wanted to do yeah. more. And as the drugs went on, it became more insulin. It's just I wanted to stay and do drugs. But it was all, I always preferred sitting around with a handful of people. I don't yeah. like big crowds. I could never fucking talk to a girl in a club. Yeah. And I would, every time I would go to club thinking, this is it, I'm going to oh, fucking no. pull. And every time I would come home and hate myself because, I, 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 looking back and, there were, you know, you'd think, well, that girl was obviously giving me the eye and I didn't have the guts to go and speak. Yeah. You know, all of these missed opportunities, all of these, I don't know what the fuck, but yeah. the, 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 and the few times we went to these big 
places. There was an, they were exciting. Yeah. It wasn't music that I could really understand. When you're high, though, you kind of get into it. It was exciting and it was colourful. But because of the drugs, there would always be a moment when it would turn. And it would go from being everyone, oh, I fucking love you. Oh, I love you. Fuck, oh. and, and there would be like one person who had taken a bad drug or was on a different drug and would seem to find me, I'm going to fucking kill you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, yeah. And then once, some, once you're on a class A and someone said, I'm going to fucking kill you, that vibe is gone. Yeah. And it, it goes the other way. Yeah. I've got to say again, I don't do drugs now and I haven't done drugs for a long, long time. Um, so I don't anyone think this is me saying, hey, go out and try ecstasy, yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in my 20s, it was, a, it, was a, it was the thing, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. the thing to do. Okay, so for track six, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do about this. No, I've got one. You've got one? I've got one. Oh, okay. It. It's the favourite song from an artist from your hometown. And you, 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 when you messaged me about it, you said you were struggling with this. So yeah. when you arrived, you was like, I can't think of any, but fair play. Go on. It's, well, I don't, know, I don't know. Right. It was in Slough with the whole kind of, um, what do they call it? Shoegazing, I guess, yeah. was the thing. Slough had its own shoegazing band and everyone and, and they they broke just before they used to play i think they used to play the wheat sheaf pub where we used to go at 15 and watch local bands but they broke like a year before we kind of got into that so everyone would talk about thousand yard stare oh. with like oh thousand yard stare they're playing the forum yeah they're supporting whoever it was they're supporting and it, and it never quite happened for them they had one song and i cannot remember what the song is called neil neil uh, was, is it Aggregate? Um, oh, I can't remember. It was on. I remember it being on a compilation, it, Happy Days. Yeah, it was on Happy Days. No, it was Happy on Happy Days. Da- Happy Days 2, I think it was okay. on. Okay, oh, yeah. well, there you go. Happy Days with a Z, obviously. And, and they were from Slough, and everyone... I tell you what was exciting, right? And I never saw them. They've the one got that back, goes, the half-time score. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> they got back together again that's recently. That's right, that's right. And a couple of years ago, wasn't it? It was a couple of years ago. And I never saw them, but it was exciting because... It proved there was a way out of Slough. There was an escape route, you know. And they never became massive, you know, but they got out of Slough. They made it out of Slough. We got the teachers laughing at me because I wanted to be an actor. Everyone being geared up to go and work on the trading estate or go and work in in an office or whatever. And you being 15 at that point, that's a fucking big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They escaped. There was an escape route somewhere, and I just had to try and find it for myself. So actually, even though I never saw them, they were inspiring by their success. Yeah. That, and, and, and I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people in small towns. You know, no disrespect to Slough. I moved back there a little while ago when I moved out of my, the, my marital home. You know, I've got a lot of time for Slough. But um, a lot of small towns, I think partly because we were so close to London, so we could sniff it. We could sniff what was out there, but we couldn't reach it. You know, it's 40 minutes on the train, but 14 years old, 15 years old, that's, it could be the other side of the world. Yeah, and I live in Essex, exactly the same. Yeah, you can sniff it. And they showed me that there was a way out. And I thought that was, that was like, okay, yeah. this, this, not everything is, our destiny is not written in yeah. stone. We can do something to, yeah. you know, as a generation to get out. Great song. I did not know they were from Slough either. I hope they are, otherwise that... I, th- no, I'm, I know they're from Slough. God yeah. damn it, Slough boys. Yeah. That's a great song as well. Do you know, I've not heard it for years and years and years. I'll have to dig it out. I'm going to listen to it tonight. And again, that's... The, 
you know, what we talked about earlier, that's the joy of it. I can listen to it on the way home yeah. in my car. I just put it up yeah. on, on YouTube. I'm sure that the, the chorus is, yeah, situations no win. Like, oh, it's, it's a, that's a cracking indie single, that is. Um, right, so for your last one, yep. a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. The, right, and I've, do you know I've only put one monkey song in? I could have yep. done the whole thing, but... Um, when, I, when I said to a few people, I've got you coming on, everyone was like, he's just going to pick monkey songs. <laughs> I've done one. But I love... Uh, my other group when I was growing up was the Beach Boys. L- yeah. Loved them. And I went and saw them at uh, Wembley Arena, I guess, in the late 80s with Carl Wilson when Carl was still alive. And every year it was, is Brian Wilson going to be with them? No, he never was. But um, Seen him recently with Brian? I've seen them recently with Brian. I've interviewed Brian a couple of times. I've had... Brian Wilson, right... Do you remember Hurricane Katrina? Go on. Yep, yep, yep. About 13, 14, 15 years ago. And he posted a thing on his website. If you donate $100 to Hurricane Katrina, I will phone you up. Leave your phone number and I will phone you up. And I'll try three times. And if I don't make it three times, I didn't make it. But I started thinking, what? Hundred dollars, seventy quid. Fuck it, right? Paid the seventy quid, and I gave really detailed instructions of what. I don't even know if I had a mobile then, of what phone numbers I'd be on, right? More than fifteen years ago, what phone numbers I'd be on at what time, right? I thought nothing. I thought fuck it, fuck it. I've just given away seventy quid, but it's good cause, whatever. And then about a month later, my girlfriend Tessa came in and said, "Ian, there's someone on the phone who's pretending to be Brian Wilson." I went, "Right, I'll sort this joker out." Hello. Fucking Brian Wilson was on the phone to me, and I couldn't speak. I started because he's Brian is God, right? And I started hyperventilating. <laughs> so, Ian, what do you do then? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a comedian. Oh, that must be a lot of fun making people laugh. And, and we chatted for about five, six minutes, and he was with his wife. And you could hear his wife say, All right, Brian, it's time to finish now. And he said, Okay, Ian, I've got to finish now, but is there one question you want to ask me? And that is like sitting in front of God and God saying, what do you want to know? You can ask me anything and I'll tell you. you. And I had all these questions about Dennis Wilson, about his relationship with Mike Love, all of this. And all I could say, and as it was coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, don't say it. What's your favourite Beach Boys album? What the fuck was I thinking, man? And he went, oh, well, I like Pet Sounds a lot. I went, yeah, that's a really good one, Brian, thanks. And he said, thanks for, you know, talking to me. And I've got to go. And he put the phone down. And I just, I was in pieces, man. Just sobbing. Because I couldn't, and I was shaking. And Tessa had to walk me around the block a couple of times to calm me down, you know. Beautiful. This is before I'd interviewed him. And he was still a little bit reclusive. He wasn't, you know, you see him everywhere yeah, now. Yeah. Brian Wilson phoned me up, man. Did you mention that to him when you interviewed him? I think, I've interviewed him twice. I think I did. The first interview with him, it was quite good. He was quite present. And he said, what's your favourite Beach Boys song? And I said, Marcella, which is a bit of a skew. He went, you like Marcella? I said, yeah, I think it's great. And he started singing it to me. And that was another moment where I'm like, okay, now. The second interview, he wasn't really, he wasn't really there. Yeah. He was, he was, it was an interview by numbers. And you'd ask a question and he'd go, uh-huh. Yep. Carl. And that was it. That was yeah. all you were getting. And I think there was a second interview I mentioned the phone call. But, um, but the song I've chosen, it's not a Brian Wilson song by the Beach Boys. It's from Holland, which is a fucked up album, man. 
they were, weren't having any hits and they said, I know what, why don't we move to Holland for a year and record an album? I'm like, okay, and they get there, all of the Dutch studios are booked up, so they then have to transport all of their equipment from California over to Holland, and none of it worked because it's different voltage. It's a great story. But the song is Carl Wilson, or is it, it might be Dennis Wilson. What, wrote it? That wrote it. It's Might Love, it's either Dennis or Carl, only with you. Oh, it's stunning, man. It's Beautiful. so stunning. It's so simple. I think Dennis wrote it because Carl sings it. And Carl has got the voice of an angel, man. And it's, his vocal on that is as good as his vocal on God Only Knows, you know. And it's just, it's repetitive and it's hypnotic and it's simple. Oh, his it's, voice is <sighs> otherworldly. Isn't it? It, 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 there's nothing like Carl Wilson's voice excuse me he said burping just as he was big enough <laughs> <laughs> Carl's voice um, yeah no that, that's the song and, and that whole 70s run of albums from Sunflower to Surf's Up to Holland see Sunflower yeah Tears in the Morning <laughs> fucking come hell come on man like, what is that Bruce Johnston Bruce Johnston like oh like literally I I, like most people, there was a copy of the Best of the Beach Boys growing yeah. up. And, you know, I was surfing USA, loved it. I'd get around and thought it was brilliant. And then everyone was, like the enemy, was always saying to me, Pet Sands. And I yeah. was like, all oh, right. And, and the first time I heard it, uh, obviously, wouldn't it be nice? I was like, brilliant. Yeah, I love that one. And then I was like, oh, hang on. Where's all the fun pop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my mate went, read this. And it was... Uh, was the book called I Just Wasn't Made For These Times? Of the Brian Wilson's autobiography that he's since disowned. Oh, okay. He didn't was, write was Landy it. involved with Landy that? Landy wrote it, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's still a cracking book. Yeah. And, and I read that whilst listening to Pet Sounds on yeah. repeat. And it just... Because yeah. all of a sudden I knew what Caroline Noe was about. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, oh, right, I get all this now. Yeah. And then that was it. I just went out and just bought every pet... Uh, they said Pet Shop Boys in. Um... <laughs> Beach Boys album, and and it was I don't know why because I was just Brian 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 for me it was yeah like, and then I had tears in the morning and I was like this is fucking amazing yeah and like and it I, it's not my favourite Beach Boys song but it's it's up there that album is my favourite Beach Boys album it is and it's Dennis really coming out Forever is just oh. I mean it's a very slick Hollywood album yeah. but Forever is incredible. Um, uh, it's about time. Oh. He's, a, he's a fucking incredible rocker. Um, uh, add some music to your day. What a record! It's it's a nuts record. But but one of that period from I guess '68 up until about '74. So '68 would be Smiley Smile and Friends and 2020 yeah. and Wild Honey. Those four, where they kind of those four albums are their white album where they just stripped everything back yeah. to basics and, and did it. And there's some batshit stuff on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's going bald. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I'd love just once to see you, yeah. you know. Yeah, great stuff. But, um, but yeah, that, that song from Holland is just... Oh, it's masterful. And there's all these wonderful songs from the late 60s and 70s that are lost, that no one knows about, you know. Yeah. But they're genius. Love yeah. the Beach Boys. Love my Beach Boys. I saw him last year. He'd come to South End. <laughs> I never thought I'd go to South End and, and yeah. see... Um, well, Jardine was there. Blondie uh, Chaplin as well. And Yeah. And Jardine's son... Oh, OK. 
Um, Jardine's voice hasn't changed. Jardine's son's voice is off the fucking yeah. scale. Nuts, isn't it? As much as as fractured as Brian's voice is, yeah. it's still just something to behold. Yeah. And and I went there and it was a room full of men my age and above. Yeah. And he come on and he was like, "We're going to do some of the hits, then we're going to play Pet Sands, then we do some more hits." And he come, I started with California Girls, and it was it was it was fucking brilliant. And everyone was kind of doing a bit of a dad dance, and then lights down, spotlight on Brian, piano, God only knows. And I've never seen so many grown men just floored. Yeah. And like my bottom lip was all over the place, and it was like it's just fucking incredible and the best bit not one person filming it no one had their phone out mm. because it was like why would you fuck with this moment like just relish every little bit of it I saw him uh, uh, I guess it was 10 years ago when it was the 40th and 11 years ago the 40th anniversary of Pet Sounds and it was at a theatre in London and it proves he still fucking got it right he was playing God Only Knows and someone in the band fluffed a note and he went stop 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 and everyone's like huh? he goes, stop you got it wrong go back two bars three four boom straight back into it fucking incredible it was like just that second you saw yeah, 22 yeah, yeah, yeah. year old brian wilson and then i took my six or seven year old he would have been seven years old i guess to see him last year or the year before at the palladium and, he, and it, tell you what i don't know if, have you got kids yeah, yeah. how old are your kids uh 15 and 12. Have you been to concerts with them? Uh, yes. Um, my wife took them to see Ed Sheeran a couple of weeks right. ago. Um, There's something very special. I've taken my kids to see a few concerts. The Monkees, the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, the Bare Naked Ladies, a couple of others. And there's something very special about touching, physically touching the two people that I am most in love with in the world whilst hearing Brian Wilson or whoever sing God Only Knows or the monkeys sing Daydream or whatever it is, there's something really special about it. And I took my boy to see Brian Wilson and halfway through the show he said, Daddy, why is he not playing that piano? I said, well, <laughs> Brian's had a tough old life. Let me tell you about <laughs> it. And, but, he, you know, he, he loved it. He loved it. I, I remember um, I went to see uh, New Order at, at Finsbury Park um, long, long time. 15 years ago and um, my wife was heavily pregnant and uh, and they played Love Will Tear Us Apart yeah and, and, I, and I'm a massive massive New Order and Curtis fan and and I just remember having my hand on the belly just thinking whatever's in there yeah. is it hearing this because it, I, I hope it's part of what yeah. you know we're both feeling right now because it's something to behold magic and then Bernard Sumner started singing and obviously it all <laughs> sounded dreadful the music like that particularly live music it's like someone's doing an incantation it's a spell yeah. you know and when you see someone like New Order or Brian Wills you know these are these are fucking wizards mm. that cast spells and if you've got people there that you are in love with Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I took my boys, my youngest's first gig at the age of six was the Beach Boys at the Royal Albert Hall. And we booked tickets way up, nice cheap tickets. And I thought, because they, they'll fall asleep before the end. First song comes out, Surfing Safari. My six-year-old is up singing. He's up singing Surfing Safari. You've done good Fucking now. You've yes. done good now. Yeah. And then they fell asleep in the interval. And, and I left sort of three or four songs in the second half. You're done, mate. 
was perfect. Yeah. It was like going to church for me. You yeah. know, it was that. It was that spiritual. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's brilliant, mate. Well, I'm not conscious of time, but I'm conscious. What time? Of, what time is it? It's eight o'clock. Of the battery. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've got to go and do the radio show. And so yes, so what's happening? Radio show. Do weeknights from 10, the late night alternative on talk radio. Me and my friend Catherine Boyle, listen on DAB, download the app, talkradio.co.uk. It's a phone-in show, but we don't talk about Brexit. We don't talk about Trump. We don't talk about Muslims or any of that usual tropes you get for phone-in shows. We just talk... Oh, we just talk bollocks, basically. We just talk about music. We talk about art. We talk about mental health. We talk about ghosts. Talk about whatever. And I also do a podcast with Catherine called The Rabbit Hole, where we kind of tour all around the country in front of an audience and talk bollocks. We talk about music. We talk about ghosts. We talk about... It's just, you just sit and talk rubbish. So those are the things. Those are the things. Ian, I've never met you before. Bless you, brother. But I've had an absolutely lovely time talking to I you. I have too, mate. Stay it's, in touch. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, Great rehearsal. Shall we do it now? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Oh, wow. There you have it. What an absolute gentleman. Uh, I can't thank Ian enough for coming to the book club in Shoreditch to record that. Thank you to the book club in Shoreditch for letting us record in your venue. The fact that you're here listening to this now means that you've enjoyed the episode, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Um, if you like hearing people discussing their their creative journeys, their careers, uh, um, and the songs that have soundtracked that, then please have a look in our back catalogue because there's loads of other fascinating and interesting people that that have had incredible journeys and it's been a real privilege to, to be able to chat to them about them. And the easiest way to do that is just subscribe. If you click subscribe over on Acast or, or iTunes, then they just pop in your listening device without you even having to sweat. That's what it's all about. Convenience, right? Anyway, thanks once more to Ian Lee. Thanks to you for listening. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. 
It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.